Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in once again to the Strange Tonic Podcast. We are just thrilled at how much response we got to the first one. So I'm hoping that the second one, which is the first part of a two-parter, because we heard your feedback, and the first one was too long. This one was even longer, and I think we've got some good stuff we covered. So I want to make sure that we broke it up, gave you all a break. And again, thank you so much for listening. And I should say, because I didn't say it the first time, Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much for podcasting with me. This is kind of a weird bench for both of us. For those of you that don't know, Michelle and I are friends. We've worked together before, not only at the same time, but we were interns at the Greeley Chamber of Commerce at different times, doing different things. So we've kind of kicked around before together, but uh, our podcasts are not done in the same room, not in the same state, not in the same time zone, but rather via Google Hangout. So... If it ever sounds like there's some weird pauses, awkward pauses, or we're looking at some internet, it's because this is what it is. We're good friends, and we're doing a strange podcast venture of the internet, and we're having fun. It's not scripted. Hope you enjoy it, and thanks again for the feedback. And again, huge, huge, huge thank you to Pan Astral, my friend Tad Lusk, who's in the band, to letting us, for letting us use their music on our podcast. This week, I'm featuring their track, unironically, I suppose, Snowflake, but we discuss Snowflakes. However, I use it because it's a great song. I love the music, and it's just... <laughs> go check them out if you can. Their shows are listed at panastral.com. Uh, right now, you're probably hearing a dog play the squeaker toy behind me. So, as I said, unscripted, it just happens. If you have any, you know, feedback for us, please shoot us an email at feedback at thestrangetonic.com. We'll do our best to answer and maybe cover it in the next podcast. So before we get into it, I just want to say that, again, thanks for everyone listening. Thanks for everyone who participates. I think we had a fun conversation here, and it awkwardly enough lined up that there was a big long pause, I think, where I was trying to clear my throat because of all the wildfires where you're probably hearing me kind of clear my throat, taking deep breaths like that in this episode. So it works out where it's kind of a wonderful separating line. And again, thanks for listening. Thanks for participating.
just an observation as someone who has studied history. And I find that when people say, well, the real history is this, <laughs> or the real Nazis are these people, I find that to be a whole lot of hot air. <laughs> and I've had that, I've read that from other people who claim to be historians when really they're revisionists. And I've heard that even from people in my own life. Well, the real history uh -huh. of the United States is X, Y, or Z. And all I can think in my mind is, no, it's not. <laughs> Along those same <laughs> lines, I often hear, if you want to know the real story, oh, yeah. oh gosh. Yeah. It's like, where are you going to lead me to with this? Yeah, what kind of preposterous rabbit hole are we about to like dive into here? If you have to preface everything with, well, the real, the real whatever is this. It's it's never a good starting point. Who is the true scion of all things truth? Like, <laughs> oh, it's right wing pundit. Fantastic. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. I mean, <laughs> what else could it be? <laughs> oh, like literally anything else. <laughs> Well, you know, we've got uh, famed scientist Rush Limbaugh telling people not to worry about what these scientists are saying about Hurricane Irma. Like, oh. Oh. Well, that's, that's devastating. As yes. if, you know, Hurricane Harvey, which we didn't talk much about last week. Well, we didn't talk about it at all, really. But as if that wasn't just difficult enough. I mean, Irma is almost unmeasurable. And... The images coming from St. Martin today and some of the other islands in the Bahamas. I mean, it's telling people not to worry is completely immoral. It, completely it immoral. Yeah. To try and convince anybody that these storms were not going to be that bad is, is complete, completely ludicrous. Yes. I, I'm all for kind of the disposition generally that don't expect things to be terrible, like kind of, mm -hmm. you know, have a positive outlook. But when it comes to natural disasters, you should probably mm. go ahead and plan for the worst. Like, don't yeah. don't chance it. This this is your life. This isn't a, oh, man, I hope it doesn't get stuck in traffic today. Yeah. Like, <sighs> yeah, it, you're right. Because it's, it, it couldn't, even if it's not your life, it could very well be your livelihood. Which certainly is not great either. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you're right, though. Like, d that d kind of distinction, like, trying to be positive, it's like, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And trying to tell people not even to do that is really, really stupid. And now with a storm that, as you said, is destroying actual, like, settlements, mm -hmm. islands, cities, like, mm -hmm. uh, in all from a guy who... At his best, I've heard people say that he's just an entertainer and he's just bloviating and this is all just, you know, he's like a shock jock. He's Howard mm -hmm. Stern. He's just saying these things to get reactions. However, the people that usually listen to him with, I think, one exception I, in my personal life, know about, they consider it news. This isn't a guy they're listening to who they're going, oh my gosh, isn't that just absurd? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a guy they're going, oh as I said, he's the true scion of truth. This guy knows. He knows the real history. He knows mm -hmm. the real weather. It, like, uh, He knows mm -hmm. the real science. Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. Like, <laughs> the people who listen to him think that he's telling them what is what. And, uh, you know, some guy in a radio studio with, uh, you know, questionable morals and all kinds of horrible things. <laughs> him just telling people that he knows more about the weather than scientists who actually study this for a living. Why would, why would you listen to that guy? I, I, I don't know. I can't even possibly understand that. I can't remember what year it was, but one of my favorite kind of Letterman interview clips to rewatch on YouTube over and over and over again is David Letterman interviewing one of the many times he did it, uh, Bill O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And he goes into it kind of trying to mimic O'Reilly's shtick where he's just yelling all the time going, oh, yeah. What? <laughs> Whatever. And just like constantly just doing his own thing and like, can you prove that? <laughs> and O'Reilly brings up kind of his, you know, Letterman had made fun of Limbaugh for having a drug problem and stuff like that. And O'Reilly's asking, well, you really have to do the guy like that? You know, just make fun of him. Like, he had a problem. He, he admitted it. Well, he admitted it after he got caught. So kudos to him. Mm-hmm. And. Letterman appears to kind of have some contrition, just goes, well, why do you do him like that? It's like, well, you know, he had a drug problem. He, he bought drugs. Was it his housekeeper? Was that who he was sourcing his? Okay, I want to say yes. <laughs> I think. And I... You know, he's like, he's tubby. And that's when Riley goes, well, do you have to do him like that? And he goes, well, that's a fair point. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but just, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it just goes to show, again, where I'm going back years now, where, do you remember, I think it was on the cover of Newsweek, where I believe it was David Frum wrote, oh, I know it was David Frum, but I think the title was Why Rush is Wrong. Okay. And this is right after, I believe, Michael Steele, I might get his first name wrong, but had taken over as the head of the RNC. And had said that, no, Rush Limbaugh is not the leader of this party. But after he said that, had received such backlash from you know, right-wing talk radio and you know, other outlets, for that, for that matter. He had to kind of go, oh, that's, that's not what I meant to say. I meant to say he's certainly crucial, but the party you know, is led by several people or something to that effect. <laughs> and so David Frum wrote this article, which was widely panned by the right as an act of apostasy where he just kind of said you know this kind of shit is what's ruining the Republican Party is this guy who gets on the radio and his interest is in for them, like think about it when did Rush Limbaugh really make it big under Clinton where he could just mm-hmm. sit there mm-hmm. and go after him constantly and apart mm-hmm. from the drugs he kind of faded off during W. And until W got really unpopular, they all blamed him for not being conservative enough. And then he had this miraculous comeback where he's making, I think, in the tens of millions of dollars per year just talking on the radio about nonsense mm. under Obama. And now, you know, I don't know how he's going to fare under Trump because he is Trump. He's yeah. an entertainer. Like he's, he's. People can say like, oh well, you know, he he represents the conservative party. He represents nonsense. He represents just anger, resentment, yeah. white fear, mm-hmm. uh, misinformation. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. 
What's the oh, word man. I'm looking for? <laughs> Scorn so, of academic institutions. <laughs> so, I like making up words, as do plenty of people. Could it be, it's not even like misinformation, it's almost like disinformation. Is that a word? Did I make that up? Does it sound like it could be a word? Disinformation. Sounds like it could be a word. <laughs> I don't know if it is. I mean, I could, you know, just like freaking Google it. But, you know, misinformation almost well, doesn't seem bad enough. It's like disinformation, like a purposeful misleading of people standing um, up on your soapbox and trying to. I believe to make it's them... listed in. It is listed on, in Merriam Webster. Oh, oh. Oh, it is. So what's the definition of disinformation? False information deliberately and often covertly spread, as by pl the planting of rumors, in order to um. influence public opinion and or, or obscure the truth. So you're, yeah. disinformation is more correct than misinformation. Yeah, because I, I feel like there is that purposeful strategy behind it. It's literally just to piss people off enough that they believe you even more. Mm-hmm. Which... Yeah. Go ahead. I was say it just makes sense because... People such as Ted Cruz have been waging war against fact checkers. Mm, yeah. Like, well, if you know, if what we're saying doesn't match with the truth, we'll just change the truth. Like that, huh? What? You know, facts are. <laughs> like, who said that? It may have been Ted. Actually, I'm not, I've got enough computer screens. I should just keep doing this. See, facts are biased. Oop. Yeah. The suggestion was facts are liberal bias, but. <laughs> Aren't they synonymous? <laughs> oh, let's see. Well, I guess take this for what it's worth. But this is, I, it pulled up an opinion piece by Paul Krugman, which the facts have... And this is obviously the first part of this is satire because... It's the facts have a well-known liberal bias, declared Rob Corddry back in 2004. Obviously, Rob Corddry was kidding because mm. that was that was his shtick. Uh, but where? I thought I thought I heard something about from Ted Cruz, but I don't want to. <laughs> Dear listener, please don't quote me on that because I don't have actual <laughs> uh, facts. Ironically, to back that. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I know, we're like sitting here bitching about people who don't know the facts, and then we're like, wait, what are we talking about? <laughs> like, we don't, we don't know. But I want to believe fine. it's different because we're actually going, hey, we're trying to look it up, we can't find anything right now, so... Yeah, don't, right this second. <laughs> don't take that as gospel as it were. Like, go find... Yeah. If you go to in an argument with that, mm -hmm. and <laughs> you, you go, oh, t look at this podcast, these guys talked about it, and they go... Well, they talked about it. They made fun of themselves for not actually having any things. Yeah, right. Well. Well, what if I do this? Ted Cruz facts. Ted Cruz facts. When you type in Ted Cruz, the second suggestion is facts. Uh, I don't want fast facts on Ted Cruz. I don't want weird. I don't want. Oh God. <laughs> it's like biographical <laughs> facts. Is that yeah. what popped up? Then there was also <laughs> ten. Top ten weird facts about Ted Cruz, which I don't. Oh, uh. Yeah. Uh, I don't care about that. Did you break the internet? Like, is that even a possible Google search? <laughs> apparently. Um, do, do, do. Well, there's him talking about. Well, then again, I guess we talk about Harvey, where Ted Cruz and his blatant. 
you know, we shouldn't fund the Sandy Bill because people, you know, New Jersey should pay for that themselves. Then going, I never said that. Oh, no, uh, this is totally different. Yeah. Backtracking. <laughs> the double standard. <laughs> Here's the speaking, fun one. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go, no, I was going to say, like, speaking of double standard, I was going to say we could um, kind of pop over to the DACA uh, topic. Indeed. Briefly, if you would like. I would. I... Uh, yeah, I was going through that, and... Uh, just some of the crap that Jeff Sessions said at his little his little announcement about it. You know, trying to claim that the reason to cancel the DACA program is that, you know, President Obama extended beyond uh, executive branch powers, so it's unconstitutional. You know, I thought I thought that was one of the things that the Trump administration tried to use to validate the um the Muslim ban. Mm-hmm. Like didn't didn't they say that the executive branch and therefore the president can do whatever the hell he wants with people coming in and out of the country? They did. They also tried to tie it to a. Uh, it wouldn't be a ban, but when there had been uh, crap, I actually learned about this from not learned about it, but I got educated, I should say, from that book by uh, Tom Nichols we talked about last time, where. Uh-huh. He actually talks about Trump trying to claim that all he was doing with his travel ban was an extension of something Obama had done. And really right. all it was was making sure that if you know, people were coming over from you know, places where we had I'll, – I'll put this on the blog after I get the actual information correct. Yeah, yeah. But from states that – I should just say countries because states is going to sound like it's – I'm talking about states here, but you countries. mean like nation states, yes, like yes. yeah, states <laughs> the way the states. rest of the world understands it, <laughs> right? <laughs> where we had agreements where you don't have to really do like thorough background checks on people traveling because it you know it it just helps out travel, it helps out commerce to have mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we can more freely go about. Yes, we've got you know customs and uh, mm-hmm. we passports and stuff like that to check, but so all right. this was and, an, where, and two and a half hours in customs seems like. Long enough <laughs> yes. for most for most people. That's plenty. That's plenty. <laughs> so go ahead. So this was just initially what they wanted, and this this included some Republicans. Actually, oh sorry, I'm I'm oh I'm glad I thought about this. That's not from Tom Nichols' book. That's from Jeff Flake's book. Oh, where okay. he had right. co-sponsored uh, a, a bill with a. With, with a Democrat who I'll once again I'll put this in the blog so we're not I'm not just spitballing not, not never getting you guys answers uh, where basically people coming from I think I think it was Iraq and maybe Syria where things were going on that were bad would have to face a little more scrutiny if they were th- if they were coming from countries that were you know could more truly travel travel to the U.S. That was all it was, was kind of a temporary, let's just dig into this and do a little bit more research before that we let them come over. Okay. And what Flake argued, and he's, I, would, I would guess he's probably correct here, is that then a bunch of, the, basically the Congress then attached anyone coming from these countries, or you know, anywhere really, would get additional scrutiny. And they were like, wait, hold on a second. Like, no, 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 no. But that... Obama not wanting to, I guess, appear 
maybe week kind of went along with it, but they they rescinded it. So when Trump was saying, oh, we're just bringing back what Obama did, and a bunch of Republicans jumped on board saying, oh, yeah, that's true. It's like, yes, Obama probably shouldn't have capitulated, but this is also disingenuous. It's not true. Yeah, right. And I guess further to your point where you're saying that Obama overstepped his constitutional authority, well, now we're seeing that with people that are going, oh, no, I don't agree with the DACA repeal or whatever in principle mm-hmm. or morally, but from a constitutional standpoint, they're going, it should have been done by the Congress, which, yeah. again, well, this is what drives me nuts, is you have Republican members of Congress and their conservative reporters saying this stuff mm-hmm. while completely just ignoring the fact that Mitch McConnell and a bunch of other people said that if you support anything Obama does, mm-hmm. you, know, you will lose committee memberships. Like, right. This wasn't a, or, you know, he wasn't done with bipartisan support. You said you weren't going to support him ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. So while, <clears throat> and I guess once again, from constitutional principle, I agree that it should be done by Congress. Mm-hmm. They tied his hands, and he was just kind of going, yeah. well, um, even the Republicans that tried to actually advocate that gang of eight uh, immigration bill ended up running away from it because it got so unpopular. Mm-hmm. What Something has to be done, and now they're going, well, uh, Constitution? We, mm-hmm. we feel bad, though. Mm-hmm. It's... I it's it just seems like that they they're all stuck in and I'm being very general here that it just seems like the conservative Republican Congress and the clown in the White House now they're all acting like it's still a year or two ago like Obama is still the president that Trump is still running you know a campaign and that they're they're still trying to undo and, and uh, rescind everything that the Obama, Obama administration attempted to do. Like, <clears throat> do you kind of get what I'm, what oh, I'm trying I, I to get at Oh, I completely agree. Here? They're just trying to yeah. kind of it, rewrite it seems, history to go, he was never here. Let's just get rid of this stuff. Exactly. Like, like trying to rescind everything is the same attitude that they had when they all swore that, you know, freaking blood oath, basically, to never support him on anything. And... Trump was very vocal about his uh, lack of respect for the Obama administration. And he still does, you know, rallies for support and he cares about crowd size. And he, you know, who, like, who's really benefiting from this? It just seems like they're all still trying to keep up the hype mm-hmm. of like a year ago or, or two years ago. The good old bad and, days. And, and, yeah, the good old bad days when they had something more specific to bitch about. And now you know, people could actually be affected by this. People could be hurt and their lives completely upended because they're still stuck in 2015 or 2016. You know, it's one thing if there was so much rhetoric about it, but now they're trying to rescind these policies that there is absolutely no statistical proof that it's a good idea to rescind. In fact, there's the opposite. Like Correct, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the DACA... Um, beneficiaries they were children when they came here it's not their fault they've never lived anywhere else 
some of them like don't speak some... the language of where they want yeah, to be Yeah, from which they come. <laughs> like 90-something percent of them are employed or in school. Some of them even fought in our armed forces for crying out loud. I believe for I crying saw out loud. a statistic that uh, Dreamers paid somewhere between, I want to say, 11 to $13 billion in taxes last year. Hmm. I, and not only that, what uh, I would imagine, oops, I, oops, I guess I didn't mute that. Sorry. Um, what business groups are mad about is that, <clears throat> at least they should be mad about. They they are, but they're just kind of not speaking up. They're kind of doing the we're mad, but don't get don't get pissed, uh, Donnie. Is that this will this affects their. Uh, you know, the workforce. This will decrease right. productivity. This will decrease. This will have economic impact across the board. Mm-hmm. And it's, this isn't just bleeding heart liberal. Oh, we should help everybody out. No. And the, I think herein lies the problem. Is I, as much as Democrats don't want to believe it, and I think this is kind of a fun thing where each side is pointing out how messed up the other side is. Mm-hmm. The Republican Party is fractured. However, the kind of saner wing of it is either just quiet, being dr- mm-hmm. drowned out, or too cowardly in many cases. Yeah. Cowardice, yep. Or, or in the case of I, I, people like Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, just too servile to actually stand up and do anything. Because as you said, they want to keep momentum. They want to use what they've got going right now to push through you know, conservative policies. But as we saw with you – know, now they're all pissed off at Trump. In many cases, they're more pissed off at Trump for agreeing to raise the debt limit with the Democrats right. than they were at him defending Nazis. Yeah. And Which is, like, severely disturbing in and of itself. But true. You know, continue. But the reason he wants to, I, I believe the reason he wants to raise the debt ceiling right away is because I don't think it's any sort of you know, 4D chess on his part that he's thinking down the road. The one thing he has going for him right now that he can point to is the economy, which is starting mm-hmm. to even kind of look a little, sh- at least markets look starting to look shaky right now. Sure. But if he were to, you know, if the debt ceiling were to, not get raised, we default on our debt, our credit rating gets lowered, the economy will, won't, won't falter right away, certainly. Sure. But the one thing he has to point to will disappear. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yep. And, and, but it's, it's just lovely that he can take credit for that because the, the economy as it is and the stability it's experienced over the last couple of years has nothing to do with him. No. You know, it takes a, a, economies ebb and flow over a course of several years, you True. know, multiple years, several years. And so uh, multiple presidencies. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you can it, it, I kind of grew up with this notion and it can be argued in different directions, but generally speaking, the president as he is now, or whoever it is, you know, theoretically, <laughs> is um, <laughs> able to take credit for the good stuff that the last presidency did. And they also, unfortunately, 
get blamed for the bad stuff that the last presidency did. Mm-hmm. And that and that continues in various cycles of various lengths. So Trump, you're right with the generally decent economy that's been going on since he took office. That's the only thing he's got going for him. Because people, you know, improperly equivocate the economy with whoever is in power at the time of its its height or its crash. So because we're all we're all very short-sighted and see what's going on right <laughs> yes. now or <laughs> from uh up the whole world. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. That's really, really a good way to put it. Squirrel. <laughs> I mean, I remember reading about this in economics courses I took and then kind of hearing about this from my dad, too, where a lot of people, essentially, it can be argued that George H.W. Bush did not receive a second term in office because he faced the hard choices of cleaning up Ronald Reagan's mess. Hmm. And okay. rather than kind of trying to weasel his way out of it, he somewhat tried to address it. And I don't remember the artist, but I remember my dad actually had a tape, which was a bunch of music backing George H.W. Bush's famous campaign pledge of read my lips, no new no taxes. No new taxes, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why my dad bought a cassette tape of that, but or why <laughs> I listened to it, because I must have been like nine <laughs> but I recall listening to it and, like, not the whole album, I think just the first song. I was like, uh, uh, all right. Uh-huh. And same thing with, uh, I, I think, Clinton, Bill Clinton, that is, enjoyed some of the fruits of H.W. Bush's peril, as, you know, as far as you know, political peril. And it just kind of goes back and forth like that. I, also, some of the Great Recession stuff came from stuff that happened while Clinton was in office. It's just... Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, as you said, we, we can't ever look at that and go, man, this sucks right now. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Trump's smart enough to realize that if something blows up, it's going to be his fault, or if he just... I think he does whatever good, whatever is best for him and his feelings at that time. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he doesn't want people going, you moron, you ruined the economy. Because like, oh, that's what I would say to me. <laughs> He'd somehow turn it around and like blame somebody else. But I, I think you're onto something there. Well, it's, I don't understand this. Where uh, what, Tommy Loren or whatever the hell her name is. Are you familiar with her? Mm, no. So she originally worked for The Blaze, Glenn Beck's media venture which isn't doing so well and she's one of the ones that would get on her i think internet show and just call everyone snowflake she's mid-20s she's blonde she's attractive although she's when she talks it sounds like her throat isn't agreeing with her mouth like just they're not kind of (laughs) syncing up sometimes okay so maybe i've seen like a whole bunch of memes making yes she's very memeable very memeable okay Okay. yeah Like, she shared something, I think, on Twitter, which was a meme of something, someone that was, like, a cartoon that was supposed to be like Jesus guiding Trump's hand as he signs his executive orders. But as oh so often happens when dumb people 
do memes, they get out-memed by other people on the internet. Mm-hmm. So it quickly went to either Steve Bannon over Trump's shoulders guiding his signature to <laughs> Vladimir Putin being mm-hmm. the one doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, she now, believe it or not, is a contributor because Glenn Beck fired her over basically saying some fairly vanilla but still pro-choice things oh. that didn't line up with you know, conservative dogma. Yeah. So now she is a contributor for Fox News and has been on Hannity and said that if, if the Democrats are going to keep investigating Trump for these Russia connections, then they're going to keep investigating Hillary Clinton. Which, <laughs> how many Benghazi investigations do you need to keep coming back going, there's nothing here, but let's keep well, digging. C- Congress already interrogated her nine times, I think, without any uh, measurable evidence to prosecute her. No. Is it 10? <laughs> Is that the threshold that they need to accomplish? Well, what is it? I guess, and we'll talk about this whenever her book drops, which I think she's going on a book tour soon. It, yeah, it's this month, so we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at that here yeah. in a couple of weeks at least. But, and, oh, also I should say that there is now a email address on our Contact Us page on thestrangetonic.com. Oh. It's feedback at thestrangetonic.com. And you can email us here. So if what I'm saying is, I, I hope it's not sexist, but I really hope she's not trying to run again because I just, <laughs> I think the Democrats just as a party need to find new stars. That I think they mm. kind of need to move on. I think we're all kind of tired of, licking our collective wounds here and now it feels like the scabs are being torn off so that another she because i was hearing something where like it certain stops on her book tour like i think two hundred dollars for a signature i don't know i'll I'll look that up too but just stuff where it's like oh god like (laughs) and she's blaming you know bernie for a tough election but Hmm. twitter's already getting onto her for that it's like uh, we, we, we don't I, we don't need this, right? And I will be. I don't know. I guess it's a. Uh, I guess I don't really have a problem with um, someone writing a book and profiting from it. No, I, like, I don't I, either. Yeah, right. And I'm and I wasn't saying that to suggest that's what you meant exactly, but I think you make a valid point that. The Democratic Party is having some issues. <laughs> you know, we we all thought that Hillary Clinton was more likely to win. Most most mm-hmm. people out there, the odds like even people who didn't, too. yeah, even even people who didn't like her or voted against her thought, well, crap, she's probably going to win. And I feel like her, just as a, a public figure, has been. A little bit willing, uh, uh, William Jennings Bryan, in the sense that she's been around for so long, she came so close, but there's too much baggage there, and I, I don't think it's really 
her fault. I mean, I grew up in a household that basically taught me to hate Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until like a year or two ago that I was like, well, why, why do I hate her? You know, and, you know, trying to figure out like where that hatred came from. There's no validity to it, really. She's a, a career politician, even if she hasn't always run for public office in her mm -hmm. political, uh, political lifetime. But there's so much baggage there. And it, it just seems like in this last couple of cycles, it's, it's been about change. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean yeah. that. It's, it's literal and figurative at the same time. And I, I don't think Hillary Clinton, just as a public figure, is going to provide a symbol of change. And that's really what people want, is they want a symbol of change. Symbol. You know what I mean? Like, I we do, talked I about do, this I last yes, week. Yes. Yeah, we talked about this last week a, a little bit, that Trump literally stands for nothing, but he was still the alternative candidate. Mm -hmm. And so it's about something else. And that's why the popularity of Bernie Sanders just really took off in a way that absolutely nobody expected. And the people who didn't, or who, you know, were worried about Bernie Sanders being a socialist, like, he really... He's not really a socialist. He's like a, you know, he's a social democrat, not a democratic socialist. And it's when Hillary Clinton was picked as the nominee over Sanders, it was just like, well, crap, this is the same stuff because she's been around for such a long time. And I think you're right that if the Democratic Party or any other party out there wants to to affect anything else, they're going to need to find different faces. Because, it, especially now, like, things happen so fast, news gets spread so quickly, and disinformation, now that we know it's a real word, gets <laughs> spread just as quickly. So, I, I think you, you're going to need to find people who, who don't have as much history for people to unnecessarily hate or unnecessarily despise. And she just, for whatever reason, and it just gets exacerbated by the fact that she is a woman. And so there is mm -hmm. a lot of just visceral, mm -hmm. you know, oftentimes even like subconscious dis, you know, disdain for her. Mm -hmm. But she is bad at messaging. I, I don't understand how you can be mm -hmm. around for so long. And I read... Like, I guess someone posted a screenshot from an excerpt from her book where they got a preview that, you know, <clears throat> where essentially she was trying to use an analogy to sober up, you know, Bernie's statements that, yes, you can promise all these things, but how are you going to deliver them? Which is perfectly fine. Uh, I, I don't, well, I think the analogy she used was oversimplistic and kind of stupid, but I understand the whole well, how the hell are you going to do this with a Congress that wouldn't work with Obama? And you're, you're trying to go even further to the left? But it, it came across as kind of this, where I think a lot of people who didn't vote for Trump also don't like him, is this trust me thing. Hmm. Where it's, well, what do you actually think? I'll get it done. Get what done? You know, mm -hmm. stuff. Well, I may have said that before, but I didn't mean it then. Yeah. Huh? It just... And 
it just kind of seemed like she was, I don't know why she did it, but she was so kind of hands-off at times from her own campaign's messaging. Hmm. And I heard that, you know, when she ran against Obama in the primary, it was kind of the same thing where she would harangue subordinates for either speeches they'd written or policy statements they'd put out because she didn't like them, but they were going, what do you actually want us to do? Like, what are your ideas? And she didn't generally offer anything up. And I don't I don't know what to, what to attribute that to, but it just kind of seems like, as I said, just messaging is not her strong suit. Or mm. it could just be, and I, I wouldn't blame her for this either, where could you imagine if, actually you don't have to imagine really, her whole uh, <clears throat> kind of, not even attacking a reporter, but responding with, I think, something that was fairly honest when asked about you know, Bill Clinton's infidelity back, you know, I think this was during the primary, before he was even president, and did her whole, I guess, infamous now, I'm not Tammy Wynette standing by my man up here. Mm-hmm. If tr- Trump does the same stuff, which, and, you know, not only is it, I, I think, not scripted, it's oftentimes extremely dumb and very disingenuous and people go oh yeah he's standing up to the media she does it and she's disingenuous like yeah and i just wonder also if she's just been beaten down by decades at this point Mm -hmm. of sexism misogyny an actual right-wing conspiracy to hurt her and her husband it's not mm-hmm. – people can sit there and say, oh, well, it's, it's imagined. It's not imagined. They brag no. about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. New Gingrich? Mm-hmm. Like the only reason he, he's recognized in name is because of the, <laughs> the, the like crap he was able to pull during the 90s when Bill Clinton was in office. It's, it, it, it is very real. It is very real. And, and – uh, Oops, sorry. Go ahead. Like, no, one of its uh, architects fine. is none other than – Steve Bannon. <laughs>